Welcome to the Make That Money Honey podcast. I'm your host, Sandra Joe, and each week I will be bringing you a combination of interviews and solo episodes with industry leaders in finance, entrepreneurship, and women in business. As a former certified financial planner turned financial coach and entrepreneur, I will be sharing my knowledge on how to have better conversations about money within your marriage, relationships, and family dynamics. I will also be teaching fundamental financial literacy about all of the topics that you wish you learned in school. This podcast will get you to think outside the box, create more abundance in your life, and improve your money mindset. So make sure to follow and tune in weekly, and it would mean the world to me if you shared these episodes with a friend and left me a five-star review. Welcome back for another episode of the Make That Money Honey podcast. I am so excited to interview today Josh Tapp. He is the host of Apple iTunes Top 50 Marketing and Entrepreneurship Podcast, The Lucky Titan. Josh has worked with over 1,500 of the world's top entrepreneurs, discovering their most coveted business success secrets and sharing them with the world. His company, Podcast Multipliers, has helped over 750 entrepreneurs and counting to launch, monetize, and scale their own industry-leading podcasts. Leveraging the Pantheon method, which is Josh's proprietary method for scaling industry-leading podcasts, he founded multiple seven-figure businesses and has spoken in front of nearly 500,000 entrepreneurs worldwide. I am so lucky to have (laughs) you on my podcast today. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. I'm super excited to be here. It's it's always weird hearing your own bio. I, I'm not always a fan of hearing it because it just I feels know, weird. I know. It's so cringe. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> um, and I have to say, I always love interviewing somebody that is also a podcaster because I get a lot of different people on this podcast and some of them are business professionals or an expert in their field. But whenever I have a podcaster on my podcast, the sound quality and the speaking is just always so good. So I'm so excited about this. <laughs> you never have to worry about the interruptions, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So before we get started on all of these entrepreneurship secrets, which I'm so excited to dive into, I would just love to know, I mean, we had a little bit of a chat before we got on the call that you were actually going down the finance route and then you pivoted and went into more of the marketing and you've grown these super successful businesses in marketing. What prompted that pivot at the very start of your career? <laughs> That's a good question. Honestly, it's it's a funny story because I I was one of the few people who I actually knew what I wanted out of life going into college. My uh, I'm actually a fifth generation entrepreneur, and um, I'd had multiple little companies like lawn mowing companies, window washing companies, little things like that that I could do manual labor for. Um, but when I went to college. I started uh, down the finance route because I, that was the one area of business that I was like, I have no clue, you know, how to run a business financially. And uh, I started down the route and about a year into college, I was like, oh, maybe I should be a financial planner. I got all excited about it. But then I started a marketing business on the side just to kind of pay for college and it took off and it started paying more than I was going to make as a financial planner. So I was like, okay, I probably can't, uh, I can't keep following this route. I did graduate, went on and got my MBA as well, but it's it's been a journey of really understanding what business is. And I, I'm a believer that you need to see all sides that business has to offer, not just the traditional school route, but also what you can learn from from experience and, and understanding other people. You know, In my bio, it talks about the 1,500 entrepreneurs I've met that keeps growing every day because I get to meet all of these really successful people and to hear their stories and understand what they're doing. It's way better than an MBA. I can tell you that much. Right. And that's somebody who's got experience with that. Yeah. And, uh, but having both of those viewpoints has actually really helped us become more successful of the, the traditional route and the, the non-traditional route, um, for education. And it's, for me, that was, that was kind of my big pivot. Um, I really feel like if you ask any entrepreneur that question, they're like, I kind of fell into it. Um, mm-hmm. Is usually where you you start your journey is not where you end it. Oh, I could not agree more, especially, <laughs> you know, given that I went down the finance route, had like eight years of post-grad, and I feel like I was doing it to tick the boxes for the credibility aspect. And especially because so many industries, especially in finance, require a certain level of education in order for you to get licensed or be able to practice. But in the coaching and entrepreneurship world, 
there's no governing body of what you can and cannot do. I mean, you obviously have to have right. disclaimers and things like that. But at the end of the day, as you said, the university of life is, is meeting all these different people with amazing skills that they have either created or learned or have taken from education and then adapted to their own business model and piecing all of that together. Like you said, you know, you've worked with 1500 of the world's top entrepreneurs in discovering their most coveted business secrets. And then you compile them all into your own package that you then teach entrepreneurs. It's so cool. Yeah. And, and you, you touch on it. You touch on a great point there too, because you know, like you had to do eight years of postgrad just to be accepted as an industry mm -hmm. leader. Right. And, and I'm, I'm just going to throw this out there. Most financial planners usually don't make more than a hundred thousand a year. Like the average one definitely doesn't. Yep. Um, and so you're like, I had to put in what, what was that? 12 years Eight. of schooling, yep. right? Um, post-grad work, right? So it's like that much work just to be able to get in the door. But what's so intriguing, you know, when I, when I first got in the door with my first billion dollar company, I was terrified first off, but I got in there on the recommendation of somebody and I was only 22 years old, right? Yeah. I hadn't even finished my, my, or I guess I maybe I had, I think I had finished my undergraduate degree at that point. But I mean, if I, if, if you tried to knock on the door of a billion dollar company as somebody with a bachelor's, they'd just laugh at you. Right. But because I had the recommendation of somebody they trusted, that was how I got in the door with this company. And it's so intriguing to watch that happen is that I think the world has shifted where qualifications don't really matter unless you're trying to be a doctor, lawyer, accountant, somebody in that realm, because you obviously don't want a doctor who's just recommended by somebody because they know how to operate on hearts, right? That'd be stupid. But in the entrepreneurial realm, if you're trying to do business and make money, it's actually better and, and quicker to just start swimming in circles of more successful people and leveraging that recommendation. Yep. I could not agree more. The social capital, you know, it's not about what you know, it's about who you know. I think to some degree it is about what you know, but putting yourself in the right room and surrounding yourself. They say that your environment has more impact on your life than any other thing, right? So you you are yep. the sum of the five people that you spend the most time with. So when you upgrade your environment, you upgrade your life and being able to, uh, you know, be the hardest worker in the room, but be the person that has maybe the lowest knowledge so that you're always up leveling, I think is such an important skill to, to adopt, yeah. especially in the early stages of entrepreneurship. Yeah, I would agree completely. And, you know, it's it's funny that a lot of people feel like this this burning desire to go and get certifications, but it's because they've been programmed wrong. Like you've been told you have to have those mm -hmm. things to be successful, and it's just not the case. Um, and unfortunately, like, I I think you should still pursue those things because mm -hmm. they getting that much education requires a lot of discipline um, and learning how to learning how to learn and be successful. Um, I graduated with honors from my MBA program while I had a business and people ask me all the time, well, how did you do that? And, and they think it's because I'm like the super smart person. It has nothing to do with that. Like I attribute all of my success in schooling to, I never missed an assignment period in my entire, mm -hmm. I guess it was like seven years, eight years of schooling. Um, I just did everything. Even if I sucked at it and I got an F on the assignment, just doing it, it actually ends up compiling into an A grade. It's right. the people who are failing are the people who don't get that discipline to just do what you're supposed to do. Right. <laughs> yeah. And that's, and you know what, you, you hit a, you hit a couple really key points there, which I learned from my experience in educate in, in the formal education system. And, uh, it was really learning how to learn. Like it teaches you how to commit yourself to deadlines and to figuring things out in a, in a particular time frame and doing a great job at it, but doing the best job you could you, that you could in that time frame because you're yeah. so busy that you don't have the time to do a hundred percent, you know, like, like you said, you got honors, but to get a hundred percent on a paper was impossible. So you had to be okay with getting, you know, a 75, 80, because you were doing multiple things at once. And it was about the juggling and the teaching of how to learn and how to efficiently use your time to do something good enough that you could get the outcome of learning what that particular thing was. Then you also right. touched on another point of the discipline. And I think that the learning how to learn and the discipline are the two most important things that you can learn as an entrepreneur, because it's the consistent trying something. Okay. That didn't work. Trying something new. 
right? And the discipline to keep going when something's not working or when you're frustrated and there's no boss telling you what the next step is. That's where, that's the, that's the translation to entrepreneurship. Yeah. I love that. That's a really good observation. And, and you know, it's funny. So I've hired around 50 people at this point and we've worked with hundreds of contractors and the differentiating factor between the successful and the unsuccessful is the ability to research and to act, mm-hmm. actually translate that research into something actionable because what will happen. And, and I know we're talking to a new entrepreneur. So they're like, yeah, education stuff is really not in my, my wheelhouse, but, but if you're new to this, I want you to understand that like researching is such a valuable tool. And, and let me explain a scenario here, right? So we hire people, we work with a lot of software because we do marketing. And if I want to incorporate a new software, I don't want to have to go through it myself and figure it out, right? As the owner of the company, I don't even touch most of that. I'm the dancing monkey for our company. I just run around evangelizing, right? But what we found is that some employees, right? So I had two different people and I said, hey, go and, um, figure out this platform and then do X, Y, Z with it. What was so interesting, the one who hadn't learned how to learn yet sat there staring at the screen for like 15, 20 minutes. And I'd use this as a test because we've seen it over and over again. Sat there for 20 minutes, didn't change screens, just was looking at it because he didn't know which direction to go. And then the other person who had learned how to learn and how to research, they literally just, they clicked on every single button, saw what it was, saw how it interacted. And then they came to me with a plan within 30 minutes right? That's the big difference maker, right? And, and if you're the type of person who says, hey, I, uh, I, I may be the more hesitant one who's going to sit here looking at it, I would, I would challenge you. Software is a really easy way to do this. Go try to break people's software. It's the fastest way to go through there and see like, what can I break, right? Not saying go in there and learn how to code, but click on every button, try to build things, test things. And if uh, it doesn't work, that's a good thing. That means you know you know what the software can do. That is one of the fastest ways to learn how to, what I would consider research um, and to to be able to present something to somebody because you'll learn it so much quicker by just going in and breaking it. Yeah, and, and giving it a try as opposed to expecting that you're just going to be handed some you know process manual or some training guide or something that's going to get you there. And I think that that's where a lot of people fall short in the entrepreneurship world is they're not willing to put in the time to learning all the different things. Like, for example, when I first started my podcast, I made sure that I understood sound editing because I needed to understand sound editing in order to understand how to record, how to edit myself at the very beginning. If I ever was in a position where my podcast company ghosted me or something that I would be able to continue delivering a podcast every single week so that it wouldn't hurt my business or my brand image. And at the beginning, you have to be the janitor and the CEO of your business and being able to figure it out until you have enough income to employ people to do it for you. And that's where I think a lot of people get stuck is they give up once a particular thing gets too hard instead of actually trying to just go and figure it out. Yeah. And I love that. It's like that analysis paralysis. Like if you can break mm-hmm. that in your life, it'll solve a lot, a lot of, a lot of problems for you. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So now that we've covered some, uh, some little tips on, you know, just the beginning stages of entrepreneurship, let's talk <laughs> about some of the entrepreneurs that you have worked with. And I know that you work particularly in monetizing podcasts. Maybe we can start on how you went from marketing to monetizing podcasts and sort of what you found is the most important thing to know in that transition. Because right now my podcast is strictly a marketing tool for me. It's not bringing in revenue. So, you know, as, as your audience target audience, what are some of the things that you sort of coach people like myself on in terms of monetizing their podcast? Yeah. And this is a great, great, uh, Dovetail, I love it. <laughs> so, I for me, what I found is um, I, I need to start this with a story, otherwise it won't make it won't make a whole lot of sense. Um, I spent so it was about five years ago. I had my own podcast. I had that same opinion as you, right? Of like, it's just a branding tool, it's a marketing tool. It's to be out there, getting that exposure. I don't really care how who many people are listening to it. It just needs to be out there, right? Because I need the content, and that's not wrong. But there's also a, a lot more that you can do with a podcast that people don't actually consider. Um, so about five years ago, I, I sat down and I interviewed um, over the course of about a year, about 500 entrepreneurs who are making over a million dollars a year. 
And um, most of them are more like in the 10 to $100 million range. And I asked them, if you had to start again, um, and you, you know, from scratch, what would be the business that you would build? And how would you get it from zero to six figures in 90 days, right? Because that's the first big hurdle is breaking the six figure mark, because that's really where you've proven, I've got something, right? And uh, it, I was expecting 500 different answers. But funny enough, I got 500 of the exact same answer, which was <laughs> I would sell a high ticket product or service. And so anywhere from 5000 to $10,000 plus. Um, and I would focus on having one media channel. And most of them said podcasts. And I thought that was so intriguing because I'm like, okay, but, but uh, why, right? And so asking that question, I built the Pantheon method, right? Which is our method that we've built off of that, those discussions, you know, 500 people telling me how to build a business and they're already successful. Why would I not build something around it? Right. <laughs> and so, so what we did with our podcast is I started say, started saying, okay, how do I leverage my podcast and turn it into, you know, a high ticket services engine, right? So I could actually sell very high ticket products and services through it. And there were a couple of things that, um, I would just recommend to anybody who is, is in this space and saying, okay, well, do I need to have a podcast? What I want you to be thinking about is not about getting millions of followers. We've, we've gotten into this world of you need to have millions of downloads. You know, your YouTube videos have to get millions of views. You have to, you know, in the B2B space, if you're in the business services space, you won't go viral. Okay. It doesn't happen here or there. When you've got brand equity, you might have a video hit a million views, right? That's fantastic. But having multiple clients and myself having done things like that, that doesn't move the needle financially for you, quote unquote, going viral. What I want you to be thinking about is how do I flip the script and say, how do I leverage this as a high ticket sales tool? So for me, I, I had this, and this is an activity I would I'd prompt all of you to do. I had a coach tell me this. She's like, Josh, I want you to, uh, I want you to reach out to just the people you know. And this is five years ago. I really didn't have a very big list at this time. And I'm like, okay. So I sent an email and didn't really have a lot of success. And she's like, no, Josh, your list, like your list. And I'm sitting here going, what are you talking about? So she, she did this exercise and I do this with every single person that I work with is go open your Calendly, Acuity or wherever you've been meeting people, right? Where you've been having conversations and download that list of people. And at the time I had like 800, maybe 900 people on that list that I had personally talked with over the last five years. And she's like, now I want you to go through there and just look at these people and figure out what they need and give it to them. So that, that was what really took me on that journey. And I, and I prompt you to do that same thing. But what I always tell people is instead of focusing so heavily on how do I sell my own product or service or build my own product or service, find somebody's service you can promote to people, refer them, accept a commission. I do anywhere from three hundred to $500,000 a year myself by just referring people. And this is going to sound really crass, but I do it while I'm on the toilet. Okay. Mm. This is time you will never get back. Okay. Everybody <laughs> has to sit on the toilet, right? I, I used to scroll through social media like everybody else and like every man I'm on the toilet for at least 15 minutes a day. So I started leveraging that time to make connections and it's really disgusting. I know it sounds gross, but what it does is it's, it's 15 minutes. I'll never get back. And in that 15 minutes, I'm making connections of people that I've met. I'm like, Oh, Hey, John sells, um, Facebook ads, a Facebook ad service for $3,000. He said he'd give me 600 bucks a month if I would just refer people as way. Great. So I found Julie who is really needing Facebook ads for her coaching company. I pair them up. She buys from him. He kicks me 600 bucks a month, right? That's all I do. So a podcast in and of itself is this tool to get you that network. Mm -hmm. And I always tell people this, if you're looking to build a network, just start a podcast, even if it sucks. Like yep. it's not produced well, it's just uploaded. I, and I'm going to illustrate with a story as always. I had, when I launched this newest podcast I have called the Lucky Titan, it's the one that's gone really far. We've, when I first launched, I said, I want to do this one different. I'm not just going to interview entrepreneurs. I'm going to interview the world's best. Like I want to, I want to be in the circles with the best people out there, but I'm like, I don't know any billionaires. I have no connections to billionaires. So I thought, but I'm like, I know a couple guys on LinkedIn that I've been following for years, maybe if I ask them, they'll come on my show. And so I messaged three guys and I said, Hey, like I, you've been producing on social on LinkedIn for years. I'd love to interview you on my podcast. What do you think? I did not expect an answer, but all three of these people responded within 24 hours saying yes. And these are guys doing 10 million plus. So they all came on my show. I'm like, okay, this is amazing. So within a week's time of sending that message, I had met three guys in the 10 million 
um, range, right? And then I asked them, I'm like, who should I be interviewing? Between the three of them, they sent me 85 clients. About 30 of them were billionaires. The rest of them were 100 millionaires because I told them what I needed. I'm like, hey, I want to interview people who are doing at least this much. They're in this industry, so on and so forth. That was a game changer for us because all of a sudden I had billionaires and 100 millionaires in my network by sending three LinkedIn messages, guys. Hmm. That was the magic of having the podcast. And all I had to do was listen to what they wanted and give it to them. And with very successful people, here's the trick. If you want to swim in, in bigger circles, they have a whole lot of money and a whole lot of no time, <laughs> right? Yep. They've got zero time. <laughs> and so they're like, I, I want to make high level connections. I want, so I need relationships. I need people to, to save me time. So if you can help them accomplish a result by saving themselves time, they'll pay you for it. And they won't even yeah. ask a question if you quote them 100,000, 200,000, $300,000 because it's chump change to them, right? And what I've also found with this, just to kind of wrap this up, is those people were some of the best humans I've ever met. They stay in touch with me all the time. Just the other day, I met uh, John Conkak, right? He was the highest paid guy in the NBA, and he gave me his personal number, and we're meeting up in a couple of weeks. Where else would you get this, right? And it's not because yeah. Josh is so cool. It's because I was able to meet him and give him a platform to talk about himself on. It was mm -hmm. a game changer for me. He continues to be a game changer. That's why I will never not have a podcast. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I was like taking, I took like a whole page of notes while you were talking. I had to mute myself. Sorry, so I, I like went down a rabbit hole. I hope that no, didn't I love you. rabbit holes. I love rabbit holes. I feel like I just got like a 30 minute coaching session for free. Um, <laughs> this was so good. Like who should I be interviewing and giving them what they want? Because as you mentioned, you know, these billionaires and uh, are, are time poor. The most successful people in the world are time poor and they want to or, you know, or time rich, I guess you, you could say, because they yeah. structure their life in a way that uh, they don't have to do all of these things, like finding people that are going to be, a, you know, their next star team player. Um, this is something that if you bring that value to them, as we know, finding good people for your business is one of the hardest business tasks uh, out there because it's really hard to find good people. Good people are snatched up and it's a competitive you know, world out there. So putting people in contact with other good people is the biggest um, savior to anybody that I think, um, you know, that that truly is a gift. So I think that that is an amazing way that you started this business. And in terms of podcasting, it's right, because you're right, in the sense that one media channel, and I love that you talked about LinkedIn as well, because that's going to be sort of my, my shift in focus over the next little while. Love it. People are not going to Instagram anymore for for um, information. They're going for entertainment. And what I'm finding is that, you know, with the excessive amount of sponsored ads and all of that, it's just not a great marketing platform anymore. People want, when they want inspiration, when they want education and information that's going to actually help them propel their life, they're turning to podcasts primarily. And then, you know, I did a poll recently that said when people want to learn something from an article, they go to LinkedIn. They don't go right. to the captions in photos. They don't go to reels. They don't go to TikTok. That's the, that's the hook, but it's getting them to your other media channels. So yeah. given, given that podcasting has become such a big business now, what are some tips that you could share with us in terms of growing and monetizing a podcast. Yeah. And I, I'll happily even give you like seven different ways to monetize if you want. Um, but I, but I want to touch ready. on something really <laughs> quick to help explain this. <laughs> She's like, yes, please do write it down. Um, you've got me for like an hour and a half. So I'm, I'm yours. Um, what I can tell you is that people, when, when you're looking at social media, right, everybody looks at social media, like it is a way to create a following of people but it's not. It's it's a way of finding a whole bunch of people who like the content that you, that you like or that you produce. And so people sit here thinking that, oh, if I get a million followers on Instagram, I'm going to grow like crazy. Social media is not a tool to grow a business. It's not. Everybody's going to preach to you that it is. And yes, you can leverage it for that later. But when you're first starting, it's not going to get you there. You're going to spend way too much time trying to get followers who aren't going to buy from you. I can tell you this with about 15,000 different examples, but we, we had one guy reach out to me and he's like, Josh, I have, he had like 3 million followers on Instagram, but he's like, he was doing, 
I can't remember what it was like pictures of cars or something. But he's like, I want to launch this offer. And I was like, great, let's, let's launch it. And this is years ago. He, he went out there, launched this offer, zero sales guys, zero sales, 3 million people because it was a high ticket offer. And these people had been trained to just consume his content. Don't even really know who he is. And there are a few people who are an exception to the rule. So I'm not saying you can't get there, but just expect a long journey, right? Expect a very long journey. But to answer your question, Sandra, is like, I, I recommend to people that they pick one platform first. And if you want to work with wealthy people, LinkedIn is your bread and butter. That is the social media platform. Because like you said, it's the education source. Um, and if you look at the way social media networks work, um, are you familiar with Clubhouse, Sandra? Yeah. Did, yeah. You, did you see Clubhouse? Okay, so I evangelized the death of this from the day it started. <laughs> the, <laughs> the reason why, I think it's a fantastic platform. Don't get me wrong. What's interesting is these platforms come and go. They come and go because there's actually a business model and people aren't looking at it on a business spectrum. But if you look at the business model of these people is they don't make money off of it. I'll just give you the example of Clubhouse. If you're not familiar with it, it was basically an audio-based social media platform. And I say was because it's it's basically lost like 95% of its users because what they did is their goal wasn't really to create a business. Their goal was to create a list of consumers who were segmented so they could sell the data to somebody else. So what Clubhouse did is in nine months, they had this exclusive model. You could only get in with another member recommending you and everybody only got one invite that they could send out. It was a brilliant strategy. And what they did is in nine months, they went from zero to I think 40 million users, somewhere around there. They got acquired nine months later for $14 billion and they oh made $0 in revenue, okay? Brilliant yeah. strategy on their part. But if you play into their hands of thinking, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with this new platform. TikToks is, is another one of those, right? Yeah. It's gonna last forever. But like you said, it's an entertainment platform. And there are ways to leverage these platforms, but it's not where you should start. Because that was your question. Like, where do I start? I recommend people start with a podcast. Obviously, I'm biased. But you start with some place that you, some platform that you can use to meet successful people or, or your ideal client, right? The reason I recommend podcasting is because it's nobody can see your numbers at the beginning, right? I go on podcasts all the time. I don't know if they have five downloads or five million, right? Unless they publish it. Nobody publishes it. So it gives them and you as an opportunity to be like, you can appear a lot bigger than you are when you first start. But funny enough, entrepreneurs are willing to go on a podcast, whether you have five downloads or 5 million, because I know that if you have five people listening to your show, they are avid listeners. They're never going to leave. And of those five, one or two of them are probably going to come into my world, right? It's just inevitable. Mm -hmm. So I love going on podcasts and guesting on their shows. But there's a couple of things I would recommend with monetization. Number one, we already talked about that monetization strategy, right? We've talked about um, leveraging other people's products and services. That is the fastest way to monetize. So we have a whole program where we do this with people. Every time they join, we get them from five to $10,000 in recurring revenue within a couple of months of being in the group because they stop focusing on their offer. They start focusing on promoting somebody else's and they get these recurring high ticket commissions, thousands of dollars that they literally don't have to work for. Mm -hmm. You make the referral and you're done. That's the fun part about referring other people's stuff is you don't have to fulfill the product, right? It's a beautiful model for that. Totally. Um, that's the fastest way, in my opinion, to generate revenue. People are going to tell you, get a Patreon account, do sponsors, right? Worthless, complete waste of time. I'm just going to throw it out there, okay? Sponsorship can be used effectively when you have 10,000 plus downloads, okay? Two types of sponsorship. I'm just going to dive into this. So there's this is the second and the third form of monetization. So sponsorship and partnership. So we have affiliate partnerships, right? And then we have sponsorship and partnerships are one, two, and three. The, the sponsorship is a traditional, like McDonald's wants to run a 30 second ad that runs on your show. They will typically pay you anywhere from 20 to $35 per thousand listens, downloads, whatever you want to call it, right? Not a lot of money. And just so you guys know, the top 5% of podcasters or assume the bottom 95% of podcasters never make it past a thousand downloads. Okay. The top 5%, if they're doing 10,000 downloads and you're in that, in that, um, you know, realm of, of listenership, that starts to be, you know, you can have, you can make $350 a month for 10,000 downloads, right? Which isn't really that horrible. Right. But you could also have four sponsors on your show and that puts you at like 
this is going to show my your poor math, math skills like yeah, $1,300 a month something like that $1,400 a month yeah um we're not talking big finance, dollars I can't here do basic yeah. math <laughs> I'm it's the same I, I, I use excel for everything but yeah I, I yeah. understand what you're saying is it's not, we're not talking right? big dollars right it's not it's not a lot of money and a lot of people will be sitting here trying to be like oh you should get sponsorship and the reason they do that is because they get to keep half of that money for making the deal for you and then you have to keep doing the work to keep the listenership growing right so don't sucker into the trap of, I need to have sponsors. If you're in a cash scrap or a cash grab moment, bring them on. It's not a problem to have sponsors. I just think that people try to do it too soon. But I would say once you pass 10,000 downloads, it's worth a shot if you want to. Like our show right now, we're doing about 300,000 downloads a month. And I don't have a single sponsor on my show. What we do have is partners. Okay. So you have sponsorship, which is the second form of monetization. And then the third form of monetization is this partnership. Now, I'll give you an example of this. We have a client. He came in. We pushed him to 15,000 downloads a month. And he's like, I think I want sponsors. And we said, hold the phone. What about a partnership? And he's like, okay, what does that mean? So what we did is we built him a one-pager where he went out and went to his vendors. So people, he already had a business. And he said, hey, vendor, I've been giving you millions of dollars over the last 20 years. <laughs> you know, And uh, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, So we'd love to sponsor you, right? But what he did is instead of selling it as the traditional model of, hey, I'll have a 30-second commercial, he has four sponsors and he charges them each $3,000 per month, okay? So he's putting $12,000 in his pocket every month, literally on, on autopilot. Because all he does is he just talks about their business on every show. And then he refers his guests over there and he interviews them once a month. Um, and he gives them a video testimonial, right? So it's like that sort of a model worked really, really well for him. And we have multiple podcasters who do that model because once you lock these people in, they're like, hey, I'm paying you $3,000 a month, right? And I'll just give you an example. I would do this. I would pay somebody to do this because what I would do is I would say, hey, I will give you $3,000 a month to be one of your sponsors. Um, all I expect is that you send me at least five referrals a month because I have a sales team and they close at like a 40 to 45% rate. So if you're sending me that, I know that I'm going to be making you know, after the first month, I'll be sitting on anywhere from 10 to $15,000, maybe more per month coming into my pocket, right? So like that puts me in a really good spot financially. And I know if I just keep paying you, it's going to keep generating us more revenue, right? So we do that quite often. Um, that is the partnership model. Does that make sense? It's very, very simple. Yeah. And, and I love that because it's, it's, essentially like you're talking you're so correct me if i'm wrong you're already talking about something that you are using and love in your own business right so for example in the financial coaching world and and i mentioned to you that um i've got this new course coming up about sex and money right so let's yeah. say i was talking about a relationship coach that i have personally worked with and her yes. and i have an affiliate referral agreement or she's paying me uh you know X number of dollars for every client that I send her or to be a sponsor for this segment of my podcast, um, right. then that's what the revenue would come from. So let's say she's paying me three yep. grand a month towards my podcast. I'm sending her 15 to 20 people that are listeners, you know, from the podcast, and then she's closing them as clients, that kind of a thing. Yep, exactly. And, and what we usually throw in there is like, I'll give you a video testimonial, I'll interview you once a quarter so on and so forth, right? Little things to help spruce the deal for them. But they just know that I'm going to spend 3000 on sponsoring your show and I'm going to make 50000 by the end of the year, right? Right. Because if you're just interviewing people, other guests, and you're talking about this all the time on your show, they're like, I think I might need to meet that coach. And you're like, you totally should. Let me refer you. It's, mm -hmm. it's such a fun model because you're not sitting here being the sleazy salesman who's like, have you guys ever seen the, the Aladdin, the Disney Aladdin? He's like, want to buy a sundial? I'm like, if you feel that way, you feel it, you look like that, you are that. So, yeah. Um, but referring people is a lot more of a friendship relationship. We're like, oh my gosh, you should come to this. One of my favorite things to refer people, and this is a slight tangent, but I love referring events to people. Um, so I go to masterminds that cost me fifty dollars to $100,000, right? And I work out a deal with those people saying, hey, if I can bring four people, can I come for free and work a commission deal with you? And they say yes. And what I'll okay. do is I'm meeting 100 millionaire people and I'm saying, hey, I really want to meet you in person. We're going to Costa Rica for a week for this incredible mastermind. You should totally come. Let me introduce you to Chris. They don't even question it. I refer them. He closes two out of three when I send him over there, right? And we're sitting on a $10,000, $15,000 commission from it, right? 
that, and it's not saying, oh, Josh is cool. Again, coming back to this, I'm like an introverted kid from Idaho, right? If I can do it, you can do it. It's just being that person who makes the connections with people and they love it. They love it. Because if you get free business, if somebody hands you a client on a silver platter, you're never going to say no. You're not going to reward that person, right? <laughs> yeah. And and also, like we, as we know, word of mouth marketing is the best form of sales, right? Like almost every single one of my private clients, except for one, has come through my referral network. It has not come through social media. It has not come through spending hours making reels and doing dancing videos and you know all the rest. Right. It comes from people who know and like and trust my business and they send the referrals. And I absolutely pay referral fees to people that send me um, clients because at the end of the day, you have like a 90% chance of closing that person if they've come from your warm network, you know, because they already know that what you do has the edification of somebody that they trust. Yes. And so when you do that introduction, when, when you receive an introduction, uh, and then you also, so let's say you're, um, you know, passing on the introduction to somebody else, they sign the person, that person then feels like they owe you as well. So, you know, even if you don't have some sort of affiliate or commission, commission based, um, relationship, they then feel like they need to owe you a referral in return because they're so grateful for it. So I think right. that one of the most important things is like when you're first starting your business and you don't have clients of your own yet referring people out to all these people in your network. And then all of a sudden people are going to be like, Oh, Sandra and Josh are excellent connectors. They must be really good at what they do as well. Like I want to return the favor. Yeah. Yeah. That is a brilliant point, Sandra. I love it because it's so funny. It's, um, it's called the vacuum principle if you're not familiar with this, but it's like, there's, I think it was Einstein came up with this principle, but it's like every space has to be filled with something. So like if you're on the beach and you, you scoop a handful of sand out of the, out of the ground, it will fill with water, right? Or it fills with air, right? It has to have something in the, in that space. And that same concept applies. We have this weird thing with human nature that when somebody gives us something, we will always feel this obligation to give it back right? As long as you're not like a psychopath, right? But you don't want to be working with psychopaths. So, uh, but what I found, Sandra, and this is why I love what you just said there, and I just want to support it, is that the the growth that comes from making these connections is huge, but it it provides you with immediate credibility, immediate credibility mm-hmm. by just saying, this is the right person. And what we, what we tell our clients, right, is saying, you should refer somebody first before you ever try to sell something to that person. So what what I will do, right? So I meet somebody on my podcast. I never sell them my service immediately. Mm-hmm. I will actually say, oh my gosh, you need to go hire this lead gen agency because I've used them. They're incredible. We get like 50 leads a week from them, right? Go hire them. They're wicked cheap. So they go hire them. They get an immediate result with them. And they're like, this is incredible, Josh. And I'm like, yeah, it is. They'll always ask me, what is it you do again? And that's when I just, I just pitch it to them. It's a two second sentence. This is what we do is we help people grow podcasts. Like, oh my gosh, I need that too. Here's my wallet. And we end up closing them afterwards because we've built that credibility. It's just such a cool, it's such a cool way to go about business. Yeah. It's like an energy exchange, you know, like, it's like, oh, you helped me first without me asking or without me selling or whatever. And then it's like, so how do I help you in return? And people feel this like sort of um, obligation to, you know, give back. Very much Pay so. It forward. <laughs> and you know what's so funny, Sandra, is like I, I meet people for the first five, six years of business. I probably had three or four calls a week of people being like, let's partner, right? When somebody says to you, let's partner, they're saying, can you send me a client, please? Yeah. Right. And what what was crazy to me, I've probably had four or 500 people say, let's partner. I have had three from that group of people who have ever referred me a person, a single person, mm-hmm. okay? So if you actually refer them, you might think, oh, is this a, are they, they going to value this? They will because mm-hmm. they get that conversation all day, every day of, oh, I'll refer you people. I want to refer you people. But what they're really asking is, hey, will you refer me people? Mm-hmm. But those three people, for example, who have referred me people, they referred me one, I referred them two. They referred mm-hmm. me three, I referred them four, right? Yeah. I always one-up them because they're like, now they owe me something, right? Mm-hmm. And just doing that relationship, we're making a ton of commissions from them, but we're also generating sales from it. 
and it's an immediate differentiator. And again, guys, you can do it on the toilet. If you can do it on the toilet, you can do it anywhere, right? Yep. I feel like that's going to be the title of this podcast is like how to leverage your time on the toilet in five simple steps. <laughs> One guy, uh, he titled the podcast that because we had Charmin reach out to us to see if they could sponsor me because I talk about this so oh often. Oh my gosh, this <laughs> is so like, funny. Uh, yeah, well, no, that's yeah. just embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. And you know what else? I think some, sometimes people might be listening to this and be like, yeah, but I don't have anyone to refer Another thing that I found has been hugely successful for my business was when I was looking for to bring people into my audience, not only being a guest on other people's podcasts, but being a guest in their program as well. So particularly in the coaching world, if there are women entrepreneurs and, and particularly one who is a Shopify coach, so she teaches people how to build super successful Shopify businesses. She has a VIP uh, marketing group that she has that comes in and they learn all about, you know, Shopify and blah, blah, blah. And I came in and did a guest presentation about how to increase their profits in an inventory product-based business. And I did this one hour talk because of um, to her VIPs and taught them something useful for their business. And because of it, now, not only do all the VIPs either want to work with me or want to refer somebody to me, but now it's also given that sort of leg up to the person who I've helped in her business to be like, oh, now I need to refer people to Sandra because I've now seen her expertise and know how she can help somebody. So if you have a particular expertise showing up on somebody else's coaching program or mastermind when you don't have any clients or if you are building your client base to demonstrate that you know what you're doing in front of a target audience that you can then bring people into your own network, I think is super powerful because there's so many ways that you can give to others without selling right? Without selling first. And then it's kind of like, and if you're interested in learning more about this, this is how you can work with me. Yeah. And and you bring up an awesome point with this, Sandra, because people like you and I, right? We, people might be looking at us saying, okay, yeah, but you've got this going for you, right? Like, Mm -hmm. like Sandra's got 12 years of education under her belt, right? On top of, I guess, 24 years. I don't know what it would be. Anyways, you've got a lot of years of education. You've got all these certifications. Josh, you've done business. You've got those certifications, right? We, to them, they're like, okay, yeah, but you can do that. What I would honestly say is that, and you brought up a good point here of like, well, maybe I don't, who do I refer, right? Mm-hmm. I have worked with, what is it? 750 entrepreneurs, whatever my bio says. I don't know. My team keeps track of it. 750 <laughs> some odd entrepreneurs. I get this question nine times out of 10. Well, who the heck do I refer, right? Yep. And the big thing is if you feel like I have no network yet, just start building it. Don't try to overdo it and and feel like you've got to put your entire business emphasis in this, but spend 15 minutes a day on LinkedIn. Look who the big producers are and invite them on a show. Invite them to, to an interview. And if you can do this, right? So let's just say you're doing one a week. You're interviewing one person a week. By the end of the month, you have four people that you could refer and four people you could refer to. Does that make yep. sense? Yeah. Because they each have an offer that they're trying to promote. And so you can look at them and say, okay, this person does marketing services. I like promoting marketing services because everybody needs them and there's a huge demand for it. And so <laughs> it's it's the truth. Like honestly, there's over a billion dollars added to marketing services revenue every day. It's insanity. So being that person to refer marketing services, you'll never go wrong. But let's just say you interview somebody who's a Facebook ads person, right? The other three people, if they own a business, need that person. They need somebody to run Facebook ads for them, Right. So what you do is instead of just making the referral, you reach out to their three people and be like, oh, I interviewed this amazing person who's fantastic at Facebook ads. I think they'd be a good fit for you. And you just wait. Most of the time they'll say yes. We have about probably a 70% of them will say yes. And then a 30% are like, honestly, I think we're good on that right now, but thank you for, for thinking of me, right? They're never ungrateful or feel like you're being shady because you're just thinking of them. Make those three referrals, one of them will close. We do this over and over and over again with people because you know, for our service, right, we we charge a pretty, pretty high price point for what we do. But if I can do have them do that one exercise, it pays off our service when they do it. Because mm-hmm. it's like interview four people, figure out what you can do between the, the four of them, make the relationship. It takes five minutes of your time, guys. Five minutes. Yeah. Um, it doesn't matter how you know short, fat whatever, you know, you feel like you don't have going for you. (laughs) 
you've got it going for yeah, you absolutely. because you're, you and, can be a connector. Yeah. And, and as we said, you know, finding people in the particular, um, thing that you need. Like the other day I was looking for a Kajabi expert to help me set something up for my new program. And I was literally on a call with a social media manager and I was like, yeah, so I'm starting to, you know, migrate all of my stuff over to Kajabi. And she's like, oh my gosh, I am partnered with a Kajabi expert. He's actually in the room with me right now and connected me. <laughs> and I was like, you ne- like, you just never know when these kinds of things are going to happen. But one thing that I heard from one of my business mentors is that we are all one introduction away from somebody that could completely change our life. And so yeah. the more that we introduce people to other people, the more they're going to introduce us to their network as well. And our network is expanding every time that we are expanding somebody else's network. And it's yeah. this law of generosity. As I said, you know, that, that feeling of wanting to give back because everybody is looking at business as what's in it for them, right? What's when, when we go into sales, the number one thing that people do wrong in sales is they talk about the product from a focus of them getting sales rather than the benefit to the customer. Same thing goes when it goes for introductions. Like if we want introductions to come our way, we must first be willing to take that step and, and show that we are an excellent connector ourselves before we can expect it to come back to us. Yeah. And, And what you're doing, Sandra, which I think is so cool is if you'll get around those groups, right? You go join a high level mastermind, right? If you can only afford a thousand dollars a month right now and you're like, that would even be a stretch, go hop into a group like that because start at that level, right? There's so many people there who are like dying for introductions. And Mm -hmm. if you just go into the group and meet everybody, get them to sell to each other (laughs) every time. If if you ever go to like, if you buy a a high level coaching program, which a lot of people do like group coaching programs. Yeah. I will hop on the Zoom and I'll be listening to the other questions that people have. But all I do the entire time is I direct message everybody and be like, what do you need? How can I help you? And then I'll just connect them. On that call, we'll make four or five referrals to people and it usually results in them doing business together. And then they're all like, Josh is amazing. I'm going to give Josh something, right? If you leverage that time, that's something everybody can do, right? It's something everybody can do. So I got a question from more of a technicality is like, how do you actually set up that referral commission. Like, let's say you just met somebody and you connect two people. Yeah. It's not like you. So there's a couple of people in my network that I have a cross referral arrangement for. And, you know, whether it's 10% of the program or an upfront fee of $500 or whatever, how do yeah. you sort of come to that agreement if it's a new person in your network? Yeah. And that, that is a really good question because what we found is be willing to make the first referral, the first sale for no cost, right? When that person closes, go to the person you referred them to, right? So you've ref- let's say you've referred them three people, one closes, you go to them and say, hey, I love your service. I'd like to refer more people to you. Do you have some sort of commission structure that we can maybe tap into? That's the way we do it. And some people say you need to have contracts and things like that. I have never needed them. Um, I think a gentleman's agreement where you shake hands or it's a signature on a napkin, whatever you want to do, that always seems to work because if you're working with humans, good people, and you're referring good people, they'll be coming to you saying, can I give you a commission? I usually don't have to ask. They usually come to me. And they'll be like, hey, can you send me more people? I'm like, yes, yes, I can. I can send you more, way more people. And from a technicality perspective, Sandra, this is where the finance major is going to come out in me. Um, Use an Excel doc. Everybody thinks you need to have this crazy, ridiculous tracking system. But mm. if you use Excel, you need three columns on it. So at the very top, put the, put name, and I want you to put their offer, and then offers that they might be interested in. This is what I call the offer stack. So across the top, right? Name, the offer that they have, offers they might be interested in. And what I do is anytime I meet somebody, I'll do this for you, Sandra. I'll even add you on the list, right? Like Sandra, right? She has a business about X, right? This is her offer that she does. And then I'm going to go afterwards and I usually spend, this is usually my Friday morning activity is I'll actually go and I'll look through my list of my most recent 20 people and I'll write out four or five offers that they might be interested in, right? Sandra probably needs lead gen. Sandra probably needs somebody to work on her LinkedIn because she mentioned she's wanting to scale her LinkedIn. Sandra wants this, right? Mm -hmm. But then I noticed that her offer is very, very valuable for people who are trying to overcome these personal barriers, right? And I know she's an incredible coach. So I say, okay, of those other 19 people who need Sandra's offer? 
Mm-hmm. Right. And I'll go down the line and be like, okay, there's five of them that I know for a fact need this. Right. Here's somebody who's struggling. They're about to get divorced in their marriage. This is somebody who's about to uh, lose their business. Right. This is somebody who's about, and then I'll be like, they need to meet Sandra. They need to meet Sandra. They need to meet Sandra. Mm-hmm. And then all I do when I'm on the toilet, I pull up in that document and I make the intros. Right. Oh, That's I all love it that. <laughs> right? I'm like, so go leverage I, that I've document. Written so, I've written so much down right now that I'm like running out of space on the page and I'm like writing <laughs> in the corner. I'm like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. These are the three columns here. The people are going to introduce each other. Yeah. And, and this is such a powerful way of doing business because it costs nothing except your time. And as you yep. said, whether it's, you know, time blocking 15 minutes in the morning, or spending, you know, 15 minutes in the morning, 15 minutes in the afternoon where you're just sitting and just doing introductions, whether it's by email, Instagram message, WhatsApp, whatever, and just saying, hey, you know, I remember that you were saying that this and this and this, you should meet somebody that I know who is an expert in lead generation or whatever. And it's so powerful how not only does the person receiving the introduction is so grateful, but also the person that you're introducing is like, wow, this person went out of their way to help me. Right. Without being right. asked, without me telling them what I needed, uh, you know, and that not only gives that sort of uh, reciprocal relationship of referring, but it also builds a lot of trust for having you participate in future things that that person um, now sees you as a specialist or a top contender in their network. Right. The value. They know you're so, they know you're valuable, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> you're, you're literally worth dollars yep. to them. That's what's cool. Yeah. So yeah, I love that. Yeah. Okay. Amazing. So we've got some amazing tips on how to monetize your business, even just with your time, whether it's through podcasting or, um, you know, introductions and things like that. So how did you, start your public speaking and grow your business to a point where you now have 50 employees, you've got seven figure businesses and you're speaking in front of entrepreneurs worldwide. Like how was that? How did you get from the six figure mark of doing the intros and having that high ticket to the next big step? Yeah. And that's actually really (laughs) a can of worms. I will tell you that much. Stepping out as the, the doer in your business is the hardest thing you'll ever do. It's so hard to let go of that. And I, I can honestly say, I, I had a coach who helped me understand this, is that business is only three things. You have fulfillment, you have marketing, and you have sales. And uh, so fulfillment is doing the product, right? Making sure that whatever service or product you're providing is, is getting done. And then you have marketing, which is generating buzz around that sale and generating leads for the quote unquote sales team, right? Sales team to close the deals and generate actual revenue. And when you have somebody who can run each one of those three pieces, you can step out. Um, and people think, oh, I've got to have like all these different people. I need an HR manager, all these different things. No, you need people who are very good at wearing multiple hats and you put them over one area of your business, right? Don't ever let those lines cross. I'm just going to tell you this. Don't let your sales leader be in your marketing. They can communicate with the marketing person, but you don't want them running both departments, Right. Same thing with fulfillment, right? You don't want them running that. So what we've done, um, I have, he's actually my brother. We've been in business together for 10 years. People say, don't do it. He's been the best decision outside of my wife. Um, but he, he runs our fulfillment side. And the beautiful part about this relationship is part of our fulfillment is I, I coach people, right? I, it's part of our group coaching program. And so what he does is he will tell me when I need to be somewhere. So I don't have to think about my schedule. He's like, Josh, you need to be, he reached out to my assistant and says, you need to be here. Um, that's honestly one of the best and first places you should get yourself out of is the fulfillment side. People think it's sales. They're like, oh, you should get out of sales as fast as possible. I disagree. Um, you're going to close way more deals by being the salesperson of your business. I'll just throw it out there. I think you should first outsource fulfillment. And by outsource, I mean, hire somebody there, hire somebody in sales would be the next one. And then in marketing, the way that I've been able to go out and start being the dancing monkey is what we call it, right? I go out and just evangelize the brand and make friends, right? Um, Which is what I wanted to do in business anyways. That for me um, has come by me finding a leader for each one of those three categories. I still run our marketing department um, as I would say the assistant to the person that I actually have running the marketing department. Because as the dancing monkey, I'm part of that 
that thing. But again, they're telling me what I need to do. I still run the strategy of the company, right? I still see the high level stuff, but it allowed me to open up my own schedule to, to be out there performing, right? And actually doing, doing what I'm best at. If you're like, Josh, I don't ever, 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 ever want to speak on stage or anything like that. I would say you are probably what we call the hacker. You're the person who needs to run fulfillment and you need to find somebody who can be that dancing monkey. Give them half your company. Yeah. It'll grow. So, so the fulfillment, <laughs> and this is, that was such a good tip. Um, can we expand on the fulfillment piece? Because I think marketing and sales, yeah. most people will understand, but can you give yeah. us a couple of examples of what the fulfillment means from like a day-to-day perspective? Yeah. Yeah. Let me, let me give the example. So we have five different companies um, underneath our like, mothership brand. I don't even know what they call it. Um, anyways, the, uh, I'll name two because they're both very easy to do and they're both in the podcasting space. So we have podcast multipliers, right? This is an agency where we produce people's shows for them. Very straightforward, right? That requires somebody to make sure that there are, our clients are being taken care of. Um, and that, uh, the, the service actually gets provided, right? So the content is being produced. Our audio producers are actually doing that side of things. We have video editors, we have account managers to communicate with the client and that that is being done, right? When you're first starting, that's you. (laughs) You have no employees, that's you, right? Um, But that would be fulfillment for a company like that. For um, our other company, the Pantheon, which is like our our flagship company, um, it's where we actually help people to monetize their shows. um, And we grow them to 10,000 downloads and all sorts of good stuff. But what we do in that group is um, it's leveraged time. So I coach on a group level, right? So I'll come in and coach. We have three other coaches who come in and coach as well. Um, So somebody has to be coordinating that, right? Saying who needs to be here and when. But we also, in order to get people to 10,000 downloads, we have somebody, we have to run large marketing campaigns. So in essence, what we do is we, when we charge the clients, right? So we take 50% of that money and we roll it back into their marketing. But I have somebody go out, they pool all that money together and they go hire the best in the world to promote. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have to have somebody managing that, right? That does that kind of clarify for yeah, you as far as fulfillment it's like goes? The, it's almost like the business manager side of things and like the, exactly. co- the coordinator, the person that's in the execution, um, you know, right. making sure that the marketing strategy is in alignment with the business processes and that, you know, if we're saying we're going to do one thing that we actually fulfill it and do it for the, for the customer or the client um, exactly. and, ma- and making sure the, the processes are all executed essentially. Yeah. And, and if I were to put it in business terms, it's your COO, your chief yeah. operating officer. Yeah. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Um, yeah. That makes sense. a lot more sense. So when it comes to what you do now, how can people work with you? How can they take their podcast to the next level? I think Pantheon is a really cool business model that I'd like you to sort of touch on about, you know, yeah. podcast multipliers from my understanding is the podcast production side, but Pantheon is how do you explode your podcast? How do you grow it? I'd love for people to, because I've got a lot of podcasters in my network uh, and I'm sure (laughs) they would want to know how can, how can they work with you? What kind of programs do you have? Oh, and I I appreciate that. Most people don't give me like blatant pitch opportunities, but I will, (laughs) I will tell you that the Pantheon itself is my baby, right? This, this is my passion project. So we, we had worked with like 250 podcasters um, up till November of last year. And that was when my, my child was born. And I had this moment where I was like really thinking legacy. Because um, obviously you're holding your firstborn child, right? Like, oh my gosh. Do you have kids, Sandra? No, I have a golden retriever. She's probably never going to be a podcaster. Perfect. But she is breaking the internet on Instagram reels. So <laughs> love it. Love <laughs> She's it. She's going to start paying for um, food soon. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I freaking love that. But you get the same concept with it, with having yeah. a dog like that, right? A fur baby, right? Is like, you start thinking about like, what do I really want to, what do I want to give back for? And, and the Pantheon is my passion project. So what the Pantheon is, is we're on a mission to find 1000 of the world's best humans. Okay. We're gathering them together. We're rallying them. And I'm going to tell you why. So this book here, if you're watching this on video, I don't know if you even post some video, it's called the richest man in Babylon. This is actually the copy, the first book I ever read at 11 years old, the first business book. And uh, Such a changed my book. life because in that book, it talks about how, how economies work, how business works. And it has a concept in there that isn't even the main point of the book, but talks about how 1000 people leveraged correctly can literally touch every single corner of the planet. You don't actually need that many people. Um, 
I think it was Frank Kern who, who talked about your 1000 raving fans. That's all you need. Right. Um, when I was thinking about that concept and of gathering these people together is we're looking at how do we amplify their brands and we solve the biggest need in podcasting, right? We're, we're really on a mission to just abolish this big need. The number one question I get when people start a podcast is how do I make money with this? Right. I did not realize that was a problem. Um, cause for us, obviously it's, it's worked out well. So I think we've cracked the code on it. Right. And so what we do is we, we've built this group as a way to basically leverage the numbers to scale everybody together. So we're pulling everybody together. Who's a podcaster. All of us are serving some sort of um, entrepreneur, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't really matter what service you're offering. It's we're all serving the same type of person. And what we do is we actually go out, we pull the money, like I mentioned earlier, and we take that money and we reinvest it back in growing everybody's shows. And from that, it allows us to bring monetization opportunities. So we've discussed a couple um, different ways to monetize here. We actually bring those to you as part of the Pantheon. So we give you referrals. We bring you, we have 15 offers that are willing to give you up to $10,000 in commissions to just refer them people. Um, the deal's struck. You don't even have to work out a deal with it, right? That's, we've been working on making this literally the place that you can come in as a podcaster, build a ridiculously huge business without having to go out and like, do all the lead gen and shenanigans that everybody always feels like they have to do. So that's the Pantheon in and of itself. Um, we'd obviously love to have you if you feel like you're the world's Absolutely. best human. And if you don't, yeah. you probably are. <laughs> <laughs> I know that I am an expert introducer. I love connecting people because I feel like I have been so fortunate in my own business that other people have connected people in my world that it's it's a pay it forward feeling, you know? And, and I, I truly believe that that is the most important skill in business to be able to connect people based on what they need. So yeah, I would love to be right. part of that world. <laughs> <laughs> Come join us. You're one of the best humans I can tell. <laughs> what I will tell you is we, we do have a pretty awesome commission for it too. So we give out, I think it's up to $7,000 a year to whoever refers people because we obviously can send people up the, the ladder as we go. But yeah. Um, Lots, lots of good commissions there. So if you refer people, Sandra, we'll kick you money. There we go. So yeah. So if you do <laughs> want to check out uh, Josh, he has, I was looking at his Instagram before we got on the podcast today. Oh, that's and, embarrassing. <laughs> and um, <laughs> yeah, I just, I love that you've got this amazing business about not only how to, how to grow and scale your podcast, but how to connect people. That was one of the biggest takeaways from this episode in particular. And if there was one, just wrapping up here, is there one piece of advice that you can give the new entrepreneur that's in the first zero to 12 months, they might have 10, 15 podcasts recorded and they're in this overwhelm and, uh, you know, the uh, imposter syndrome phase of their career. What's one piece of advice yeah. that you can give to that person? This, this is something that's like near and dear to my heart is I love working with new entrepreneurs. Um, but I want, what I want to let you know is that you need to become not an influencer, but a thought leader. Okay. Mm. And I want to break that term apart for you. A thought leader is somebody who leads in thought. A true thought leader, I'll just mention some names, right? In all, all different realms, right? You have Galileo, you have Tony Robbins, you have Jesus, you have Gandhi, you have whoever, right? These are the people who have literally changed the world with thought. And the reason they have been able to do that is because they speak through story, okay? Generate mm -hmm. stories for yourself. That's how you become a thought leader. And if you feel like, Josh, I don't have anything worthwhile to share to people, I get that all the time, interview people who do. And you'll eventually accumulate stories from them that will help you to be a thought leader because you can share their story. Do that. I guarantee you, no matter what you do in business, whether you're selling baby bottles, toys, services, whatever, right? You will be able to be successful because you will lead in thought. Be an expert storyteller. Yeah, I love that. Lead in a thought leader instead of an influencer. Well, this has been such an amazing interview. I feel so grateful to have you on my show today because I learned so much. And, you know, for the people that are watching on video, like these are the notes that I was taking while we were talking <laughs> on my to-do list page because I had that in front of me. But uh, I feel so fortunate to have had you on my show and learned from you. I'm excited about being in your network now and 
you know, sending people your way for the Pantheon method. So we will link that in the description below so that you can take a look, reference this podcast, make that money, honey, or Sandra Joe financial coaching. And you never know, maybe I'll get a brand deal. She'll get with a fat commission y'all yeah. recommend her. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so this has been such an amazing interview. Definitely check out Josh tap the lucky Titan, the lucky Titan on Instagram as well. And if you are searching his Pantheon method, uh, it, the company has been around for over three years now. He is the founder and chairman. You can go to pantheon.fm and Thank you so much, Josh. This has been, I, I love having these kinds of conversations. It's a Friday when we're recording this and, you know, it just gets me so fired up about business because when you meet cool people doing cool things, it just gives you so much inspiration to get out there and do more and uh, expand your, you know, thought process as you, as you said. So thank you so much for being on the yeah. show today. Oh, I appreciate it. It was a really fun conversation. Thank you. All right. Well, we will see you next time and be sure to check out Josh at pantheon.fm or at the lucky Titan on Instagram. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. And if you love this episode, please share it to your Instagram story and tag me at sandra.m.joe. I would be forever grateful if you left me a five-star review and sent it to a friend so that I can reach as many people as possible. For more information on my financial coaching and how we can work together, check out my website at sandrajoe.com. And until next time, have a great day and go make that money, honey.